The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Hi, everyone. So we have another guest here today, and I'm going to let Dr. Mark introduce himself. Hi, thanks for inviting me. Happy New Year. Well, my name is Mark Danola. I'm a dentist, a general dentist. We didn't have this type of thing when I was going to dental school. So can you let us know a little bit about like where you're practicing geographically and everything? Yeah, I I went to Maryland to dental school and uh, I basically bought an existing practice, but I'll go into that detail more. Um, I'm in Western Maryland in, in uh, LaVale, Maryland, and it's kind of a rurally rural, I would say in terms of uh, if you want to classify it, not, not a city. And um, you know, we had at the time I came here, we had no specialists. So we had to do a lot more things on our own. And um um, well, yeah, so a GP, uh, I have two hygienists and we have a four practice, you know, four chair practice. And- yeah. So smaller scale general dentistry practice, more of a rural area. Good to know. Did you grow up in Maryland? And then is that what reason you wanted to stick around? Well, I, I had, uh, just enjoyed being in Maryland and met my wife here. We're both mm-hmm. from New Jersey, actually. Uh, oh, okay. New Jersey. But uh, the Maryland, um, being that there's some beach and some mountains, it was kind of a nice mix of of opportunity because I like to be outside. So mm-hmm. it worked. It worked pretty well. And uh, a, a dentist passed away, and I, I can get into the history when whenever you ask those those type yeah. of questions. But yeah. Yeah, I go straight ahead. Just, I guess, talk us through a little bit graduating dental school to now. What was your career like so far? Yeah, so, so I graduated in 1993. It's some okay. time ago. And uh, what I, I did, you know, for your listeners, I think a lot of these kids are going through the same thing in terms of what I did. However, you have more opportunity for posts and types of advertising from different. Uh, places, but I did a GPR, which was, I think that's probably generally done the same way today where you have a match system set up. I'm trying to speak to your audience somewhat. I don't know if it's antiquated being that I've been out for almost 30 years here now, but um, I did two associateships by uh, the regular interview process. Uh, I did, however, uh, interestingly enough, uh, interviewed before I was going to Europe for, for over a month. And, um, so I decided to try to set up, uh, something for when I got back, but no one really wanted to say you have a job when you get back except for one place. So that was kind of the default practice and that, that lasted for a little while. And then I found a nicer opportunity, uh, bigger practice in, uh, Flower Hill and in Maryland, which is near Montgomery village and 
kind of a bigger area towards DC. I got a lot of experience at that time. So with the GPR and then two practices, I had a little bit of uh, experience. I don't know if your audience would understand this. Some are ready to go and some are not. Uh, mm-hmm. Some kids in dental school were really fast and ready. I think it's hard to really feel like you're ready sometimes, but uh, you you know what you know, and then you don't know what you don't know. And so running a practice, the business part of it is the harder issue, maybe for most people. Um, in retrospect, though, I, I think I did fine uh, learning uh, on the go. We didn't have a podcast to learn from like we have today. Um, so yeah. And, uh, the GPR certainly gets you in the mentality of like seeing an emergency or that kind of thing, or people that are a little more, um, in need, uh, mine was in New Jersey. And so it was like a, a regional hospital. So we saw a fair amount of, uh, tra- trauma and, and things like that too, but it was a general practice clinic. So I did get, you do get a lot more experience. And I think uh, learning how to have that chair side, chair side matter that we need, I don't think we get all that dental school being that it's stretched out and, and the way the clinic's set up. So after two associateships, I could go right into my career like uh, here, yeah. uh, but I'll jump forward and you could jump back if you want. <laughs> but I, I did the associateships and then and then in, uh, there was an opportunity presented around uh, late 97 for me where uh, someone had passed away, uh, a dentist had died. So I worked there uh, as as an interim practice, you know, a dentist, and kind of fell in love with the area because it was outside and, you know, rural and it was beautiful. Uh, and I thought I was going to be raising a family and it would be like more safe or safer environment rather. Um, and then um, uh, I guess we could talk about the, the nature of the practice I have now. And I don't know if you, if you necessarily uh, have an opener, do you have an opener for the, when you describe what we're going to talk about, you'll sum it up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, before we get into the episode starting. Yeah. So so I would say uh, in about 2009, I was presented with a, uh, it was a newsletter from a non-for-profit group, uh, called dams, which, which, uh, introduced me to the, the fact that there are some materials that maybe could be problematic for certain patients, certain people. And I, I kind of went down a, a rabbit hole with, uh, learning about the dental materials and the human body. And so it transformed, uh, the, my first biological dental conference, if you want to call it, that was, uh, International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology. And it's kind of a tongue twister. People, even the people that are in the organization just say I-A-O-M-T. And that kind of doesn't roll off your tongue either. But just to repeat it, it's International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology. And there are physicians there, toxicologists uh, and dentists, and they all talk about uh, really holistic principles, uh, biological medicine and dentistry. I would just say this, since I mentioned that, that there are, if, if people are interested, they do offer like a free tuition for people in dental school, which, so there's a program that one of the members introduced a number of years ago. It's like a fantastic opportunity for people like you that want to kind of get 
their feet wet or just be experiencing something that they haven't uh, actually ever seen. And so you go to the academy. It's in Florida. It's easy to find the, uh, the email address you know, or the uh, contact the information, rather. It is a nice opportunity for free CE. In fact, in March, it'll be in New Orleans, which is if people want to get north or south mm-hmm. in, uh, from the big winter here. We're going to hopefully have. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, so I transitioned my practice that way after learning about how we could impact as dentists impact overall body health. So it's been a fundamental part of my practice ever since that, that time. It's over 10 years now. For people that are obviously coming in with maybe no knowledge about oral medicine, about holistic medicine and how that relates to dentistry, how would you say your practice is different than someone that maybe doesn't consider holistic approach? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I would say that we're all familiar, even in dental school, they they start to introduce you to the fact that the biological um, systems like periodontal disease and that kind of thing, if that impact overall body health, you probably know some of the mechanisms. I'm sure they're even more detailed today. Of course, I read current literature on all the cytokine storm stuff that we're hearing on the news. Um, It's really this, these communications with these cytokines, these proteins that are, that are the mechanism, but we can get into that a little bit more depth later. What I started to do is just look at the physiology and biology and form and function, if, if you want to say form and function of how things work. And then it's kind of like when you learn about a normal pathway in, in, in pharmacology, you might say, okay, how are we going to help with this, this system that's not working? So in terms of um, anatomy, uh, well, you know, if you put a crown underneath the gum too far, you're in, in interfering with the bio, biological width. So it's kind of like these concepts that you always say, is it is this normal to have this? Is it normal to have that? And so um, when you see systems failing, you wonder, you kind of question why. And you kind of look, they call it upstream. You kind of look upstream uh, on a lot of uh, whole, holistic doctors are looking at why things are failing, why, why you're having symptoms. So in dentistry, we know when, when we have symptoms, things are getting pretty bad by the time that happens. So signs and symptoms come at the late stages. And there's generally with a lot of dental stuff, there's no pain, right? So we have, we have a, a, a patient sitting there and um, now with the advent of cone beam technology, you can see things that maybe are are hidden. So I ta- often talk to patients about how, uh, let's say they have heart disease and no one ever, maybe their gums look reasonably well, you know, how it, tissues can look reasonably well. Then you do a, a 3D or you do some uh, vertical bite wings or something and you'll see there's bone loss. And then you start to talk about this looks healthy in your mouth, but I can probe this, this step. So anyway, it's kind of introducing patients to this over time. And uh, people will seek out the practitioners that are 
that are kind of looking at this now. It's kind of, I would say, a new trend, although I wouldn't say new, but there's a trend towards this. People really want to know why they're sick. People of your generation are considering, like, I don't want any medications and that kind of thing. Like, I, re- I prefer not to take a pill. Yeah. So, so it's you know. really just considering the patient as a full patient and all of their health rather than just what you see when you're doing clinical exam, looking at their mouth, basically. Yeah. Well, well, dental school is really tricky because there's so many kind of procedures that we have to learn. And, and uh, on top of that, of course, there's new meds every week <laughs> or there seems to be, uh, and we're learning new things, but the problem is getting, getting it all, getting it all to the end stage of a doctor that can take care of people. And that's where the confidence comes in, maybe doing a GPR or residency uh, or uh, even an associateship. There's a lot of pressure on uh, graduates to, to produce more than they probably should or could based on their speed uh, just and knowledge. So it's kind of a sad situation uh, that everyone's in the same, it, we're all in the same boat kind of thing when we get out of school. And like I was going back to when I by the time I was out for five years, I felt pretty confident. So three to five people are pretty confident, I would say, have some skills, especially if you're in a busy place. But um, getting back to these meetings, what I what I started to do is just read more. And that could bring uh, the conversation that, that your audience would want to kind of consider um, if you're, I don't know what they're saying. When I was graduating, they said, if you if you don't keep up, you're you're behind in two years. I would say today it's probably six months <laughs> in a lot of ways. Uh, for example, like statins now um, are combined. Well, they were even before in the United States, they were combined with CoQ10 because statins often interfere with CoQ10 in the heart. So, you know, those are the things that I think about with patients and you won't know that unless you're staying on top of things. So, uh, anyway, I, I got so busy reading that I bought an iPad back when, <laughs> when iPads were new, right? It was probably the first generation iPad and I would just dump on the PDFs. And when you start going to these meetings, you start meeting people that are writing really detailed books on specific subjects like vitamin C and like I said, statins, uh, medication, even new things on the block. Like, I don't know, you're probably aware there are ceramic implants today and the ceramic implants are new newly FDA approved in the United States. However, they've been used in Europe for, for more than 20 years. So you go down that one rabbit hole, another rabbit hole. And uh, today I'd like to bring up uh, the issue of mercury because the FDA has made some statements about that. And I think it would be in your best interest to actually uh, be brave enough to just talk about that if you want to at the end, uh, just because it is so controversial, I, I will, I'll couch it with some FDA statements. Yeah, I know with the mercury, I feel like every few weeks our school is sending us like, oh, update about this, update about that. And it keeps like going back and forth. I mean, I have only seen amalgam used like a few times in our clinic. They still have it and they do still use it, but only if absolutely necessary and the patient like really, really wants it. It's definitely not something we're like advising patients towards, I think. That's good. That's good yeah. news. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I'm not in the clinic and I don't know what they're teaching. I know, I know because of uh, EPA actually like New York had decided not to or discontinue the use. 
for environmental reasons. And that's actually, in fact, what happened uh, globally uh, or in Europe anyway, when uh, when they started to look at where the, the water leaving the building and maybe in Michigan right now they have separators in Maryland. We have separators in our in our office. So that's becoming like state. It's kind of goes state by state. I don't think it's a federal law. So for biological dentistry, I had a speaker come talk to one of our student orgs a few months ago, and she was saying that's like her favorite part about dentistry right now, the up and coming research about biological dentistry. Is there anything in particular that you think is really going to kind of influence the scope of dentistry in the future? I feel like I've heard a lot about like genetic testing and things like that, but I don't know if there's anything that sticks out to you as being like rather exciting, I guess. (laughs) I guess I could speak to the one technology that maybe you'd never heard of or don't know about, which is ozone, dental ozone. Now, ozone is considered like, it sounds like it's dangerous. You hear about ozone warnings, and that's only because that's the one chemical they can measure in any type of smog, any type of pollution. But in ozone in dentistry, so ozone's O3, it's oxygen with the same amount of electrons as O2, but it's uh, so it's a little bit unstable because it's O3, and so it'll rapidly degrade. But we ma- we make ozone in my office, or biological dentists, most of them have ozone machines. And what what is it's an antimicrobial, like it kills viruses, bacteria, and fungus, and it does it in a way that doesn't create resistance. So I offer we offer it as a you know, almost like a prophylaxis. We sometimes people will drink the water. We 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 do ozone rinses to kill the bugs just before procedures. And we also can put the water in the water lines. But anyway, that's an example of something that would be exciting for someone like you who's just getting out. Now, you know, all the procedures, so you can, you can use ozone when you finish a cavity preparation. You're kind of, if you get to real leathery dentin and you start to think about, well, am I going to hit the pulp here? Maybe you want to start to, to oxidize and and use the ozone and and start to care, uh, take care of the caries the bacteria are nourished from the pulp side when you seal them in and then they live on themselves and then the nourishment from the inside. So they will continue to grow in number. So the idea is to eliminate that population of bacteria. So, uh, so we flood the, uh, we flood ozone gas with, with suction at the same time and, and kind of destroy those bacteria and hopefully avoid a root canal uh, and, and it also helps with sensitivity because it oxidizes the dentinal tubules. And so the tubules are kind of, uh, think of like sensodyne crystals, but kind of oxidizes at the tubules. And then so the flow of water is, is sort of eliminated that potential potentiality. And, uh, but we use it for perio. So this is like the exciting. So we are always learning about how they can use it systemically even more and more. So I use it for sinus infections by infiltrating through the ears. And then the exciting things are ceramic implantology. Uh, I'm using uh, platelets and PRGF or PRF now. And that technology came to me through, through the biological community, learning more and more about it. Today, we even have recombinant DNA or recombinant uh, growth factors. I don't know if you're aware of, like, I don't know if you want me to mention specific names, but um, there's a type, there's a company that's manufacturing one particular growth factor that influences mesenchymal cells, which then help with differentiation of whatever 
the potential would be bone, bone or soft tissue. So that's kind of exciting. Um, I'm, I don't know how excited I sound, but I'm always <laughs> excited. I'm always excited about talking about biological dentistry because I think yeah. we're, we're, we're like the physicians of the mouth or you want to say, and mm-hmm. my introduction to airways was th- early on through, uh, some speakers talking about sleep disorder breathing in children, and then of course sleep apnea in adults. We get these kids to breathe through their nose very shortly. They're they're reducing to a major degree some of the things that they may have been confronted with as children growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so night night terrors, bedwetting, ADHD actually reduce within five five months. Uh, so it's really remarkable, and I don't know if we appreciate that airway uh, as much as we we could or should, but that's, that's a wonderful thing that got introduced to me, uh, through biological dentistry. Do you find that your sleep apnea patients, are they mostly adults that come to you or is it parents and you're noticing something and bringing it up with them? Yeah. So I I would say that's a good question. I I don't say sleep apnea with children, although it it can present as that. Uh, you know, they'll still grind all these people, whether they're young or old, will grind their teeth, clench mm-hmm. usually. Um, and some get headaches. Kids don't generally get headaches, but mm-hmm. I had a couple, I've had a couple of kids that get headaches and, uh, we think it's just this, uh, of course you're, you're contracting all these muscles and you're, you're creating a trigger, uh, trigger points and, and vascular changes. So, um, yeah, but I would say adults, you can see pretty fast and, and what you learn and, and you're learning this in school, but you'll see this all the time. If you see abfractions, if you see, you know, the canines flattening, uh, you see tuberosities, tori, it doesn't matter where they are. Uh, typically, the palatal tori will indicate that the floor of the, that the maxilla is inadequately wide. Uh, so if you see palatal tori, you know, they're clenchers. Um a lot of people clench, but don't show signs of wear sometimes. Uh, but you can see things like incisal ledge wear when people protrude out, they bring their mandible out. Um, headaches are very, very common. Uh, migraines can also be triggered uh, by, by clenching and grinding. Bone loss, of, obviously, bone loss is another sign of where well, rocking teeth creates inflammation without even bacteria present. So we know that clenching and grinding. Anyway, your original question was about, do I see adults? I mean, we do see adults and the problem is with obesity and, and mm-hmm. people being heavy now. So America, the United States of America is, is faced with this uh, un- unbelievable amount of, since 1980, things have just skyrocketed. Um, we can get into nutrition a little bit, but but 180 million Americans are either obese or, or, or overweight, which is a lot. It's a mm-hmm. lot of people. So we're seeing with, with what's going on with COVID, the people that are, are having issues uh, are more, are having obviously more uh, systemic problems associated with their health. So uh, they use, most people that did die have one or two or three comorbidities um, especially the older people that succumb to it. And it should be a wake-up call. Unfortunately, I don't think our authorities and, and health departments are talking enough about uh, prevention. Um, so that's the other thing we kind of talk all the time uh, about 
what to eat and, and exercise. So as biologic dentists, this seems like a more of a responsibility on our end, not just to talk about sugar, but movement and breathing and trying to de-stress your life, you know, which mm-hmm. is hard, which is kind of hard, but yeah, when it comes to diet, like you said, a lot of people think of, oh, don't eat too much sugar, brush your teeth when you are going to be eating sugar, all that kind of stuff. But I know like carbohydrates and, and like everything gets digested, it starts in the mouth. So how do you communicate nutrition advice with patients? Well, it's it's a tough thing to change people's diets. But what I do say is if they could change a few things, and one of them is, of course, get off a of soda. Uh, that's a huge one. But the problem is 70% of uh, supermarket food has added sugar. <laughs> so so you're at you're really like having to tell people to just eat that one ingredient. You know, if it has all these ingredients, try to make from scratch the things that you eat. Uh, those are the, the advice, the things I advise. I advise more keto, more uh, healthy fats and nutrient nutrient dense uh, foods. So the one of the big like overriding like overarching themes in my world when I try to communicate this and I'll try to say it the way I say it is we're eating all this type of food with these added sugars and, and it's more empty calories. You probably heard that term, but the carbohydrates and actually man-made, man-made oils like seed oils, corn oil, soybean oil, they are not good for you. Uh, I can go into detail about that, but I tell people to switch them out to maybe olive oil. If you know, it's pretty clean because Sometimes olive oils, uh, uh, safflower oils integrated in there, unfortunately. Um, but, but I would say change out your sugar, uh, try to just use milk. Don't use non-dairy creamers in your coffee, that kind of thing. Cause that's all high fructose corn syrup. Um, and then I try to introduce them to the idea that our plaque is okay. It's good until it's not good. And when you eat a lot of carbohydrates, that influences the, the, microbiome of the mouth. And I don't get it. I'm not saying it that way to patients. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm saying that to you, but a lot of people do know what a microbiome is, you know, and and your plaque has all kinds of bacteria and you say to them, well, when you, when you eat sugars all the time, those bugs benefit, you know, there's a big party, they're they're eating um, what you eat. So I try to let people know that, that, that plaque needs to be disrupted. Um, I think, I think one way biological dentists think of of the microbiome is not just creating a desert every time you brush your teeth you know maybe we need to i mean uh maybe we need to just disrupt them oxygenate them and kind of keep the good ones there because we do need them um for a number of reasons but yeah so that's what i try to do and i say because of all of the sugar and then these seed oils, we have this 60% of our diet of those things. And then what happens is you're, you're missing the nutrient dense, the vitamins and minerals you need because you're, you're full of all that other stuff. And so it doesn't really get integrated into your, into your daily diet. So that's where we talk about supplementation type, types of things uh, with patients. Aside from diet, I feel like a lot of dentists or even dental students in my case are a little hesitant to discuss systemic health and other 
things that they're noticing with their patients. They just say like, oh, have you seen your physician recently? Oh, you probably should go get this checked out, whatever, rather than actually feeling confident as a healthcare provider to discuss these things with them. But I think a lot of that is maybe more of a stigma from the patient side. People feel worried that the patients won't take them seriously or that they'll lose patients because patients don't want to hear about this stuff from dentists. How do you, um, I guess, deal with that? And do you notice that as being a problem or not with your particular practice? Yeah, I don't know if it's a, I would say when I wasn't confident, what I was talking about is always the issue. So you have to really, I mean, our boards want us to, so you can go back to your, what is your board and what is your scope of practice? If you look at the, it's very general, uh, the scope of practice, but the scope of practice that the boards want us to learn new things. They want us to master it, know it, and then we can implement it only after we know it and learn it. So uh, it is in, in, in a way it's up to the doctor to, to justify the reason they're doing things. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I've taken a Botox course, but you wouldn't put Botox in someone's mouth, you know, in someone's uh, on someone's face, unless you had the skill, right. And you had the knowledge. So uh, I guess it, when you start to learn more about systemic health, that's when you're going to get, get the confidence, but patients know when you say, and it's hard to say this, but what I generally say are, are things like, we know that blood pressure goes up as your waistline goes, gets wider, you know, or things like that. So doctors will, and of course we always bring up smoking and, uh, and alcohol consumption, but as far as nutrition, and, and, and trying to get the link between their systemic health. If they're diabetic, they, they, they try to avoid carbohydrates. So then you kind of get into the conversation about the, what the new, maybe doing more keto is. Um, and if you can, you can come across as, as confident, then I think they understand where you're coming from. So uh, like I, I it's with the smoking thing, I always say, if you, it, you know that smoking is not good for you, right? You know, or something. You joke about it, you smile. And uh, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't say something like it would be nice for you to quit or or the tobacco use that the, the smokeless tobacco is just horrible. So, uh, but I'll, I'll say things like, have you had your blood work done lately? If you haven't, why don't we do like, why don't you ask for your, D, your vitamin D levels, your 25 hydroxy D level? Maybe C-reactive protein could be added. And C-reactive protein is one that they might have heard of. But, you know, cardiologists will check that. Uh, If they're looking for uh, C-reactive protein is generated by the liver. And and I think you know the IL-6 and and tumor necrosis factors, they're they're generated by bacteria and the the presence of bacteria in the gingiva. So you you could say, do you know about periodontal disease, you can ask the patient, you know, periodontal disease, there's a correlation or they're connected uh, with heart disease. And you can say, well, we're learning more and more about these things. We're learning more about how we sleep is, is affecting, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll introduce the sleep apnea thing by saying how many blood pressure medications are you on? And I'll say, do you know that your sleep quality is, is causing changes in your blood pressure? You know, those things. So it's just, it's kind of like, to me now, it's natural. If you look at all the things that are going on in the mouth, you can usually point back to systemic issues without like, without sounding like conceited or, or like that you're more than a dentist, just dentist point of view. It's your point of view. So 
I, I can understand where you're coming from being, being a dental student. It's just, it's, it's mind boggling the information we have to learn, but what you do is always think about the whole body whenever you're mm-hmm. doing anything, you know, like a good example of, of something where you didn't learn in dental school is that teeth are sensory organs that, that those teeth, your teeth know kind of what's happening when you're chewing something, whether it's this or that, whether it has a lot of fiber, whether it's fatty, I think the teeth are, are you know, the texture of food and, uh, and our salivary glands and, and our taste buds are all communicating together to, to give some answer. That's why like these diet Cokes, the body thinks it's sugar, but, and so it causes, causes insulin to be released, even though it's not a sugar. And then you're, you're like, then your body's saying, where's the sugar? <laughs> it's not there. So these are the things that are common sense to me. That's going back to what I said about systems. I try to think about systems and form and function of things. Um, but yeah, so we're also, we're also very high up on the respect and people value dentists opinions. So they, they, when you start to speak to, you've heard of this, you've heard of that, you know, on cytokine storms on the news. Well, you know, you have cytokines that are influenced by your, your periodontal disease or, or it can't even be a failing root canal, something that's inflammatory in the mouth. And, um, and, uh, with the advent of the, I have a 3D cone beam. You know, you guys will all have those in your offices at some point. You can see hidden infections. They say, oh yeah, that might've been, I feel that once in a while. And and then you can kind of look back. You don't have to be a a radiologist to see some of this. If you tell them this is bone loss, this is this, this is that. And, um, and you say that, that lymphatic system drains down your neck. And, you know, did you ever feel a swollen gland, they'll say, yeah, I've had this chronic lymphadenopathy. Well, they won't say that, but unless they're a doctor, but yeah, my, my lymph yeah. node's always big over there. And you say, well, mm-hmm. you know, you have this, you have this big periodontal pocket or you have this, this, it looks like there's a big abscess on your, on this tooth. So they kind of get the connection. They understand that now. Mm-hmm. I think like, I, like, I think, you know, this, that more and more people are on the internet learning things. And so you have to kind of you have to kind of help them understand things better. Yeah, and, definitely. And yeah. I don't know if I went on a tangent with some of the things I was saying there, but. Uh, no, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, do you have any final thoughts or anything you want to close with? Well, I would like to talk about the FDA's own words yeah. and some of the things they said, because I think it's important that graduates understand the ramifications of even doing an amalgam on certain populations. So the, what the FDA had done last year was, and everybody can go on. If you look up FDA dental amalgam, you're going to see a statement, some statements that they had made last year. Uh, It might've been 19, but I think it was 21. Um, Well, I mean, it might've been 20. (laughs) Now we're in 22. Uh, So it might've been in in 2020 that they had made those, but uh, it might've been sometime in September, like, and anyway, that doesn't really matter. Um, But what they, what they said in the statements were regarding like susceptible populations of people. So you could, uh, you could argue now uh, that if you want to use the guidelines of the FDA, that you might not want to place an amalgam in a nursing mother, pregnant mother, or somebody who wants to have children, they say children under six in Europe, they said six under eight uh, people with a known allergy for mercury, which is hard to determine 
um, impaired neurological systems, kidney dysfunction. So there's a class of people or susceptible individuals that shouldn't have amalgam. That's that's what I kind of wanted to get across to to, to your listeners. Um, but in my opinion, every every person, this is my opinion, other people's opinion, that we're not that dissimilar uh, a population of. It's not like we're multiple species of of humans. So everybody is affected similarly to having this in their mouth. And so if you read through what they're saying, uh, they don't recommend their removal unless there's something going on, which is what I would say too, but they don't argue that there aren't vapors coming off when you take out or put in. So they're, they're not able to really uh, not tell the truth about that anymore. Um, and they've identified that that is an issue. So in those, under those conditions, you might, be affecting certain population. Of course, we know a lot of things go through the breast uh, milk into the breast um, toxic toxic chemicals, and so that makes sense. Then, when you're nursing, right? Um, of course, individual children. Uh, I know there's a, there was somebody who got a COVID uh, vaccine that got an adult dose, and so that could be problematic. So the kids are smaller, their body weight smaller, so. So they're, they're thinking that if they're a certain age, they shouldn't have amalgams. But my, my contention is that everybody should not have these things in their mouth. I know it's a big, it's a big deal to talk about that, but like you said, it's kind of being phased out in the school and education. So maybe it's the right time. Maybe I'm one of the right people to be talking about it. I'm trying to be gentle about these subjects. I'm an ADA member. Uh, You know, since I graduated, I was in the student dental association as well as you like you are and mm-hmm. and I value I value that institution but at the same time they need to they need to get in front of this too a little bit so yeah I'm kind of being a squeaky wheel with the <laughs> constituency yeah <laughs> like, no, I, th- yeah. I think that yeah at least at my school the consensus for it is like it's it's going away it's not something that we are going to be offering to patients, hopefully, and everything. So I think that's where at least my communities are moving. I don't know, around the whole country, I'm sure in certain populations, it's increasingly still common, but hopefully it's going away. Yeah. The the two things I would say is people should look at the IOMT and then IAOMT, and then the people should, your listeners should also look at, um, there's a white paper on their website about amalgam. There's a white paper on different different uh, procedures and things that we talk about a lot. And then the other thing I would say is look at the FDA's own words and see what they're they're saying about it. Um, but I, I think one thing I will tell the listeners is that I'm open to questions. If people wanted to contact me, uh, there are lovely people in the academy that would certainly answer. Uh, there's there's a lot of free information on the website too. As you practice this way, what I'm, what I think is happening is people want that. I think people want to be, uh, to be receiving holistic care with in, in all of medicine. And um, like I said, the next couple generations are really want to be healthy. They don't want to really take medications. They understand the side effects of all these medications. Um, in in my training, I've also learned there's depletions that happen. We we get depleted of things as we take certain medications. Um, so we not only have deficiencies in regards to nutrition 
and uh, what we consume as our food, because our food is adulterated in such a way that doesn't have all those, those things we need anymore. Uh, so, so there are twofold problem where you have depletions from just processing some of these medications through the liver and through the body. And I could talk a lot about that. I just, I just would say in general, most, most uh, people that take pharmaceutical medications have lower zinc, magnesium, B vitamins. So these are all things that we're seeing with COVID too. Uh, if you look up zinc deficiency, it'll say lose your, losing your sense of smell and taste if you just have a zinc deficiency. So part of that, the mechanism probably for COVID is that it, zinc is not there as much as it sh could be or should be to kill viruses within the cell. And um, so you see the certain senses going away is pretty scary to me. But you yeah. also know that from a cold in general, you, you sometimes lose your taste and smell. But it takes a lot out of people when they're sick. You almost need more resources for, for healing. So we, that's another aspect of the dental uh, conversation I have about nutrition is when you're when you're recovering, you want to be doing certain things that are beneficial that way. If you're good to wrap up here, is there a way that you would recommend people contact you if they do have more questions? Of course, I have a website. It's MD Dental, MD Dental Wellness Center.com. Dental Wellness Center one at gmail.com is, is our main one, but it's on my website. Okay. I do have, I do have a nice, uh, a few videos on uh, YouTube to learn. Like I have a 56 minute one that I did in a talk in Pennsylvania. That's like, what is holistic dentistry to me kind of thing. That's mm -hmm. kind of a brief, there are loads of, of physicians and dentists that are talking about um, whole body health now. So I will open my mailbox every day and look, you know, if there are questions about this, uh, just educating yourself is always mm -hmm. the best step to, to take a first and be skeptical when you're reading anything, be skeptical when you're hearing everything these mm -hmm. days, it just seems like, um, you have to discern what's, what people's narratives are based on who saying what, <laughs> like, yeah. I would be skeptical about what I'm saying right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get that. Yeah. Well, well, thank you so much for your time.